it's Monday. You know what time it is. It is FRPC Hoops. I'm your host, Vince, and we are going to get after it today. We're talking about a lot of things in the NBA, um, and we're going to try to hit them hard, hit them fast, and get you up out of here before the Game 7 that we didn't think was going to happen. Now, we're here. Boston has rallied all the way back from 3-0 to 3-3, which is insane. And again, history is not kind to the Celtics. 0-150 is the record for teams that were down 3-0. But obviously, we have some different situations going on here because we've also never had a Game 7 in the home building of the team that was, uh, you know, so that would they have come back from 3-0. So there's a lot going on here. Um, I have a lot of friends in Boston. Um, so for me, I'm hyped for the city. I'm hyped for a shout-out to Brookline, Canton, Sharon, Dorchester, uh, you know, North End, I see you. You know what I'm saying? Southie, I see you. Brighton, outside the city, I see you. Um, you know, Haverhill, I see you. Uh, Lowell, I see you. Worcester, I see you. Um, just a lot of places that I've been throughout that uh, great state. Um, and tonight, you know, it just comes down to is a better team going to win? And the more talented team are the Celtics. There's no doubt. We know what's going on here. The Celtics are the better team. They have the better talent. They have more ways to get to the basket than the Miami Heat. Jimmy Butler has played outstanding throughout the series. You can obviously tell he slowed down. There was just no way for him to keep up that pace. Um by the way, amazing job by Jimmy Butler at the age of 32 to just kick it into a different gear and put his team in this position. Just to be in a position of a game seven um, is amazing to me. Now, with that all being said, I think I'm still going Boston, that Boston actually does come back and do the unthinkable. We will now have our first team in the NBA. And also, let's do it. <clears throat> I'm definitely going to shill for Boston. It's the, isn't it ironic that the only city to do it is Boston? So you got the Yankees and the Red Sox in 2004. To go to the finals, right? They were going to the World Series. Now, 19 years later, here we are. And the Celtics are literally just about an hour and a half away from going ahead and, and getting that situation taken care of. So I do pick the Celtics, not because of the fact that I think, um, you know, you know, it's some kind of destiny deal. I just think that. Miami just ran out of guys and ran out of energy. And as long as the longer this series went, it favored the Celtics. 
Now, Butler, still amazing, still absolutely incredible in this series. Uh, we can't take anything away from him at all. But the one thing we are going to do is we're going to call a spade a spade, and we're going to definitely pick the Boston Celtics to go ahead and win that series, then to host the Denver Nuggets in the first game of the NBA Finals. So, man, we just – it's just crazy. There's so much going on. Um, but we wanted to go ahead and hit on that. There's some other things that we want to get to today. Uh, let me give you a little bit of the rundown. We're going to hit some news notes. Um, obviously, you're seeing that this is a solo show. Uh, keep in mind with that. Our guy, prayers up to him. Uh, Nico is sick. So we're we're doing a solo show. So we just wanted to make sure you had a Monday show and I wanted to make sure you guys, cause we've been promising consistency. We've been promising, you know, getting these things out uh, on certain days or whatever case may be. And I just wanted to be less cavalier about it and make sure that you guys are getting the episodes on the days that we promised the episodes. So that's where we are there. So we're going to talk about a little news. I want to talk about the CBA a little bit. And uh, then, you know, just kind of close it out and get you going for game seven because I'm ready for it. And I hope you guys are ready for it. So let's get to the news items of the day. Right. Nick Nurse has been hired by the Philadelphia 76ers. We're excited about that situation because Nick tactician wise is going to elevate that defense. Um, And also, I think he's going to bring um, a little spontaneity to a team that was stagnant. Because once they, they didn't run a lot of sets. It was a lot of hardened action, a lot of, um, you know, mid-beat, uh, mid-post, that type of thing. Maybe they start to incorporate a little more movement with Nick Nurse. Now, the other thing that he's going to bring is he's going to bring a level of um, intensity on the defensive end. Now, I wonder with this. Does this mark a new era in 76ers basketball? So my Philadelphia people out there, okay, hit me up at, on Twitter at FrontRunnerPC, okay? Does Nick Nurse signal change in Philadelphia? Is it going to be a completely dis- different cast of characters? This also leads me into the CBA, but I'm, we're going to get there later. But I just wanted to drop that on you. So Toronto Raptor former coach Nick Nurse is now the new coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. And that was reported by Adrian Wardanowski earlier today. Now, the other thing to kind of think about. This is a guy that knocked out the Philadelphia 76ers in 2019. Sorry, 76ers fans. I know that it has been a tough ride for you the last couple years. But you're getting somebody who's going to know the team pretty well. He's played against that team. He's coached against that team. He's going to know the weaknesses of that squad. So he'll be able to kind of get that squared away pretty quickly. Um, now, let's see. The coaching hires in total... We'll see where we are now. Um, 
So we got nurse there. Um, we got there's some news coming out in Indiana that I want to talk about as well. Um, oh, we need to talk about what the Wizards Wizards have done as well. Um, the Wizards have um, made a change in the front office. We have the Clipper for former front office guy, uh, Michael Winger, going to the Washington Wizards. Now, why is that important? Well, they have a guy by the name of Bradley Bill. Now, for years, Bradley has said that he's not leaving. For years, he said that he's quite comfortable in the in the district. Shouts out to my guy, Nick Reed, and his lovely wife, Anissa Reed, who are moving to the district shortly, as far as that's concerned. Those are my people, so I give them a shout out. Um, but Michael Winger is considered a, a really heady front office exec, and by getting Winger to the D.C. area, that's quite a feather in the in the cap of the of the Wizards. <clears throat> Does this also mean change in Washington? You know, these are just things that we kind of have to kind of get to. Um, I think Winger is going to reimagine that franchise. Um, now ownership will play a part in it. Uh, Leonsis is going to allow it's going to have to allow Winger to be able to do what he needs to do to get that team from middle of the pack playing team, never really um, challenging the big boys of the Eastern Conference. This is going to be quite a challenge, and I can't wait to see what he is going to identify as his first initial things that he needs to do. Um, I can't wait to talk to Nico about it. I can't wait to, to get into it. The other thing that we want to talk about, and it's kind of a sad uh, story, and um, I want to uh, make sure I... Um, Gail Proper, um, Jack Murray in, in Bleacher Report wrote a story in regards to Lonzo Ball in a kind of a, a health update. And um, sources are saying that Lonzo, they're not really expecting Lonzo to come back at all. Um, that's sad. N now, everybody knows that I'm such a UCLA um Fan, I'm gonna stand for UCLA, go Bruins, a clap all day, and all of those type of things. But to see a young man who is like you know mid twenties, um, you know, just got to his uh, second contract, and and he brought a a type of play to the to the Bulls that was infectious, and they played so well in that first half of last season that. You just you say, oh, man, if Lonzo gets healthy, this is going to be great. And now we're just hearing that the knee is not responding. I hope all this is not true. I hope that this is just a setback in the, you know, in the rehab process and that this young man gets to go out and hoop and uh, just entertain us and, and uh, you know, live out his dream. You know, whatever you think of his father – 
Lonzo's been a, a model citizen. I mean, Lonzo is the bluster has come from other places. It really hasn't come from Lonzo. So whatever you think of the family, the player himself and him just not being able to continue his career, that's that's sad to me. And I hope that this is not a really abrupt ending to what I thought in Chicago. I thought we were going to see a more robust, a more realized Lonzo Ball. And I think he was really fitting in with that group with DeMar DeRozan, Levine, Alex Caruso, and the crew. So, man, we just big ups, big prayers to Lonzo. Man, man, we pulling for you, bro. Um, keep your head up. Uh, man, we just sending prayers to you and sending positive vibes, bro. And we just we just hope you can get back, man, to the game you love. Um, a couple other notes that I wanted to hit on before I really got into the CBA and the other thing that I uh, wanted to talk about. Bob Myers, we've been saying it on this podcast for months now that it's in real jeopardy where Bob Myers is coming out, uh, coming back to the Warriors. Now, this is something that I've said on the podcast, you know, at least two two months ago. Easy. And I've been really looking at that whole situation all year and couldn't even fathom that Bob Myers was not going to be a warrior. But as the season progressed and as you started to hear some of the rumblings and some of the whispers that were coming out of Golden State, it was apparent that this situation somehow had deteriorated. And I don't know why. I really don't know why. I'm really trying to effort to figure that out. What happened? What's the disconnect between Lakeup and Bob Myers? Now, what I will say is, is that if Bob Myers does leave, I do know a couple things. One, the person who is going to replace Bob Myers will be in-house. Golden State fans, I'm just going to let you know. You're not going to be real happy about it. Okay? That's about as far as I'll go with it. But there is a candidate that is pretty much ready to go um, from what I have heard. Now, what Bob Myers does from this point out, I mean, he can do a plethora of things. He can go back into being an agent. He can, um, you know, represent guys. He could take a year off. He could do TV. He can do TV. I'm sure he would love to continue his podcasting that he's been doing. Um, we would love to have him on our platform. That would be great. I don't think we can afford him yet. But that's up to y'all because, uh, you know, we're going to talk about that later as well. But, um the thing about it is, is that with Myers leaving and the roster in such a flux at Golden State, this is just a really delicate moment in that franchise's history, especially with how Steph has played. Curry has been phenomenal. He was phenomenal last year. Now he didn't have he didn't have the help necessarily to get as far as they wanted to go. You know, I mean, I think we can all admit to that. Is that Clay is not what he used to be. Far from it. 
And it's not his fault. When you have an Achilles and you have an ACL, you're not going to be the same. And Clay is like, what, 33, 34, somewhere in there. So when you have all those type of things, and, yeah, pull, they figured them out a little bit. And you didn't really either trust the, the young kids to develop or they didn't develop in the rate that you were looking for or what you expected. So now with that being said, what whoever's in charge, whoever is going to lead this team into what the next iteration is going to look like, man, you got a lot of decisions to make. Because again, I keep on bringing up the CBA and we're going to get to it. Trust me, we are. But this team has a lot of things on the prior, the to-do list is very long for the Golden State Warriors. And I'm not really understanding why Lakeup would allow Myers to walk, especially at this point, this inflection point of his franchise's situation. Really odd timing for this to go on, honestly, to tell you the truth. So hit me up on Twitter. Tell me what your conspiracy theories is or on uh, the Golden State Warriors, why this is happening. What do you think the moves are for this team? And when we talk about the CBA, then tell me what your moves are. So hit me up at FrontRunnerPC or hit Nico up at NicoFRPC. Um, the... Other couple of little items that we really need to get to. There was one that I really wanted to talk about. And it involved the Indiana Pacers. And I want to make sure that I give everybody their credit. So Mike Chiari of Bleacher Report was talking about something very interesting. And it actually came from um, Mark Stein, an NBA insider. You know he has a podcast, so guys, check him out. I like Mark Stein. Gives really good information. And usually he's kind of like... Uh, Carmelo Hayes, shout out to the uh, NXT champion who defended his uh, title at NXT. When marched on shoes, he don't miss. So there's a thought process in Indiana that we are willing to move the picks to move up in the draft. Okay, so I'll say that again. Indiana is willing to move their picks, which are 7, 26, and 29. Now, how far does that get them? Does somebody value the 7th pick in the 26th and the 29th pick? Is there, is there a package that can get done? Will it have to involve one of the veterans that are on that team? You know, are they now finally ready to move Miles Turner? Now, they did just sign him to a contract, but the contract is a de-escalating contract. So if you go look on sports track, so for the people who are like kind of new to the whole game of like contracts and things of that nature, um, usually they escalate. Uh, what you see some teams do who are real savvy is you'll see them de-escalate the contract as it goes. And Miles Turner, who's in going into the first year of the extension, 
this year coming up. So his money is at the zenith of what it's going to be. And then from there, it's going to de-escalate. So I don't know what the play is here. Um, I would expect that if they're moving from seven, they want to be they want to be in at two or three. Bill Simmons said something really interesting about what he thought Charlotte should do. And uh, shout out to my guy, Coach T, who came on to the podcast uh, about three or four weeks ago. And we kind of chopped it up on Charlotte. And uh, I want to give that dude his flowers. Um, go check him out on TikTok and, and what have you. He does uh, Mud Talk Radio. Um, check him out. But the other thing with that is, is that Charlotte is in a position here. And now there's a lot of stuff going on in Charlotte. You got the you got the sale with Michael Jordan. So ownership stake situation. You have the Miles Bridges situation. You have LaMelo coming back from injury. We want to get that guy healthy. And you have the number two pick in the draft. Now, I have gone back and forth on my uh, who I thought was the number two prospect. And uh, for a while, I have been seeing Brandon Miller. I've been seeing Brandon Miller. You take the height. You always take the height. If it's equal, take the height because you can't teach 6'9", right? You can't teach it. And I believe in a lot of the second side initiation uh, ball creation with Brandon Miller. Okay? I think he's a I think he's a high-level talent, personally. Now, Nico, on the other hand, does not agree with that. He doesn't believe he is worthy of the number two pick. Now, this has been a, a debate between Nico and myself for a while. Now, I can tell you today, after talking to a few people and after seeing a video, now, obviously, it's a workout and things of that nature. Plus, I've seen tape on Scoot the whole time. Scoot is my now number two overall selection in the 2023 NBA draft. Let me just kind of explain this to you. This is... <laughs> it's like LeBron being shrunk to like 6'1", 6'2". This dude is ripped. Like ripped, okay? Now, that doesn't make him a good basketball player. But there's some stuff with him. If you go back and you look at... Uh, especially not last year. His first season in overtime, I mean, the G League at night. I don't know why I have OTE on the brain, but I've been watching a lot of Amen Thompson and Arthur Thompson, and uh, I'll have thoughts on them. Not for this pot. This will, that'll get later because we need to really start focusing on the draft here. Now, um, he has some vision and he has some creativity with how he sees the game that you just can't teach and also it's like that next level type of thing. Now I don't I'm not saying he's going to be Jason Kidd. I'm not saying he's going to make uh 
crazy passes like um, Chris Paul or whoever. But he's going to be able to get to the rim with ease. There's a suddenness to his explosiveness that is rare. We've only seen it probably about three or four times, um, especially in the last 30 years. You know, the name that a lot of people continue to bring up is uh, Derrick Rose when they talk about the athleticism. I actually think of someone um, a little different, actually, when I think of him. I think of someone like Zion. Hear me out. I'm not saying big like Zion. I'm just talking about the suddenness of his explosiveness. That's what I'm talking about. That's the only thing. So I'm bringing it down to the my the my new my new skill set. His first step is so quick. I don't care if you gave him two three feet. He's gonna make that up and pass you so quickly. Um, so you're gonna have to send multiple defenders to him. But see, that's the problem. That's where the vision and the creativity of Scoop kicks in. Go watch some of the video. If you don't believe me, just go watch it. Um, I'm sold on the young man. I actually think the shot is going to come around as well. Um, now, there's work that needs to be done. The one thing I can say about Scoop, the young man, is that he definitely takes it. This is a business. This is serious. So I don't think you're going to have a problem with him um, taking the coaching, so to speak. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of willingness to be coached hard. I think you're going to see a lot of willingness to get better. I think you're going to see a lot of sponge activity from Scoot. Because I believe that Scoot has that dog in him. And he would say that as well. So if all that to say is this. With Charlotte being... The team with the number two overall pick, the number two overall pick, um, in Indiana looking to move up, and there's other teams that are looking to move up, but I, the the Indiana thing caught my eye because I'm like, what are you going up for? Because it doesn't, you don't have the need for Scoop. So are you, is it is this the play for Brandon Miller? Now that is very interesting to me because here is where. It gets really kind of, we got to go next level on these type of things. So I'm talking to my Indianapolis brethren out there, okay? Knowing what you know about the ownership group in Indiana. Knowing what you know about the fan base. You know what I'm talking about, Indiana. How do you feel about Brandon Miller coming to your squad? There's some stuff with him. Let's just say it that way. And actually, if you want to put it a little more eloquent with him, um, Brandon is in the midst of a really serious um, criminal situation that they so far said he has, he seems to be clear of charges. So far. There was a person that was um, tragically um, killed, and his involvement 
is sketchy at best. And what I mean by that, it's just shrouded in secrecy. And I understand that the young man can't talk because of the fact that, you know, lawyers have him, um, you know, pretty buttoned up or what have you. But I've heard some things that people aren't real excited about what he has been able to tell them about what went on. So if you're Indiana and you're looking to move up and you're having these types of discussions, are you one of the teams that had conversations with Brandon Miller? And were you satisfied with the answers you got back? Because I I know that fan base a little bit. And I'm sure that they're not going to want a bad guy in their midst. So Indiana has to be sure that this guy is, you know, 100% going to be free and clear. They must have got the answers they wanted. Um, and then the other thing if you want to kind of play a little conspiracy game, did Brandon Miller do it on purpose to kind of uh, tank interviews to go to a more desirable situation? Because if you look at Brandon Miller and just the talent alone, and then you look at Tyrese Halliburton, you have Benedict Matherin, right? Now you add this piece that is Brandon Miller along with your Miles Turner along with could you get Chris Duarte right? You know? Nimhard had a really incredible rookie year so you got some depth there. They still got Buddy Heald on the team so that's a tradable asset. If you want to go younger. The fit is 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 right with Brandon Miller. So I can I can I know for I'm really thinking that the move for Indiana, if they're looking to move up, they got their eyes on Brandon Miller. So Indianapolis, Pacer Nation, what y'all think about that? How do you feel about Brandon Miller? being an Indiana Pacer, if they do decide to pull the trigger and move up. Now, obviously, it takes two to tango. So you're going to need Portland's involvement in this. And now here is where it gets real spicy. Are we sure that the Trailblazers front office is in sync with their longtime superstar, Damian Lillard? Now, I know... I'm seeing blasphemous things because Damian has given no indication at all that he was ready to bounce. And I still believe that to be true. But I believe that they're in a real inflection point of their franchise because Shaden Sharp last year, uh, quite as kept, Mike Schmidt knew that kid. So he was all in on Shaden Sharp, even though there wasn't a lot of tape on him as far as being at Kentucky because he didn't play. So you had to go back to the high school tape. Now you're you have the third selection in the draft, 
and you have this superstar that has been with you forever, and you really never put around like the right pieces. Now, here's the thing. Are you ready to do that? Are you ready to go ahead and fulfill this prophecy of allowing uh, Dane to really compete for championship in this West? Where here's the other thing. I don't think Denver is going anywhere. Or could they? That's a tease. But if they're going the route of we're gonna we're gonna build this around Dane. That third pick is pretty much up for grabs. So whoever comes with the best package is gonna get that dude. I thought it was really intriguing to hear that the Pacers were looking to move up. So Pacers fans again, are you comfortable with Brandon Miller as your guy? Because if your team is looking to move up, that's the guy they're looking to get. Now, here's the other thing. There's some other talents out there. Amen Thompson, the Osor Thompson debate, all year, all year, it's, all you've heard is Amen Thompson is the better of the, of the, two, of the two twins. I've heard a, had a couple people say that the shot for Osor has looked better and gotten better. It looks like he's kind of cultivated his shot a little bit. And it looks like from what the scouts are saying, they are more um, willing to invest in Asur's shot than Amen Thompson at this time. Now, we're still a little ways away from the draft. Things shift all the time. But I thought that was an intriguing little nugget that I was able to pick up that a lot of the scouts are saying that they believe that the jump shot on our sword is ahead of schedule than his twin brother, Amen. So, little nugget for you there. Little, little situation with Charlotte, Portland, and Indiana. And I'm sure there are many other suitors out there. There are many other, you know, teams out there vying for the number two or number three slot if it is going to be moved. Um, <laughs> let's see. Is there anything that I want to talk about else that is really pressing? Oh, by the way, the other thing that I want to talk about. Uh, I hope Momo hears this too. Because he sent me something on uh, on one of our little draft sites that we are doing some sort of fantasy basketball league in. But, uh, how can I say this? Um, I don't think you're going to see one of the bigger names go to the Phoenix Suns. I think that's going to be it. I think that's going to be one of the younger candidates. You know, I'm pretty sure uh, that my situation and the information that I have, you know, I'm not here to break news. I'm here to just kind of tell you a story after. But I'm pretty sure that we're going to have a, a new head coach there. We're not going to have a retread. And, you know, no disrespect to the guys like Doc Rivers and, you know, the Monty Williams, the Nick Nurses of the world, the, the Frank Vogels of the world. 
I have no problem with those guys getting a second chance, third chance, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, I think if you are willing or you're open to learn and you learn from your mistakes and you you're always in a self-evaluation mode, you're self-scouting all the time where you're just trying to get better. See Mike Brown up in Sacramento. That's a guy who had a couple shots and now it looks like he really has just like the heartbeat of the Sacramento Kings. And I couldn't be happier for our, our state capital in California to have the Kings be relevant again. It's so awesome to see that they have an incredible fan base and whatever you think of lighting the beam and the beam lighters, whether you think it's corny or not, they seem to rally around it. And hell, you know what? With all the, with all the crazy stuff that happens in this world, if people are excited because a purple beam goes in the air, let them be excited about that. You know, let them have joy off a beam going in the air because their team won a game. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'm I'm picking one of the younger guys to get that job. Um, I have a really good indication of who's going to get that job. Um, and we'll kind of tell that story once it's done. But uh, look for Phoenix to go with a fresher face for their coaching hire. Okay. Um, the other thing that I wanted to get to is, uh, man, we really need to talk about this CBA in the worst way possible. Um, and what I mean by that is this thing, how can I put it? If you're a Game of Thrones fan, you'll get the analogy. This new CBA is like the White Walkers. Everybody's scared of them. Everybody knows they're coming. That's why they built that huge wall so they could not get through. But this salary cap, this new CBA is is crazy. And we're going to go over the second apron because that's where all the magic happens. So, if you're a fan of the Golden State Warriors, if you are a fan of the Lakers, if you're a fan of the Clippers, if you're a fan of the Boston Celtics, if you're a fan of the Miami Heat, if you're a fan of the Dallas Mavericks, the Phoenix Suns, or the Milwaukee Bucks, Philadelphia 76ers might want to take a listen to this as well. And uh, let's talk about some of the things that happen when you go over that second apron. By the way, there's only one little thing that's going to be held off for one season. So here are some of the, I guess if you want to call it, here are some of the um, constrictions you have or restrictions you have when you go over the second apron. The first thing is you cannot sign a mid-level exception guy. Seems pretty big for teams that are trying to get championships, um, playoff position. Usually those guys are doing some of the ring chasing, so you get a really good um, 
role playing vet that wants to taste, you know, taste the fruits of victory, right? So no mid-level exception for the teams that are over the second apron. So this means a lot to the Phoenix Suns because they're over the cap. Golden State over the cap. No, so you know there's no uh, help, no relief coming from the mid-level exception. Now, this will matter later on next season. Buyout guys are no longer available to teams that are above that second apron. So the Kevin Loves of the world, the... Um, What's his name? Ingles of the world. The Russell Westbrooks of the world that happened this year. None of those things would have happened. So you have that. You can't take more money back in a trade anymore if you're over the second apron. So if you are a team like the Golden State Warriors... And let's say you are trying to trade Jonathan Kaminga, right? And let's say there's a let's a role player you want. Let's say you want a Boyan Bogdanovich from Detroit. Let's say the salaries are close. I know they're probably not. I'm not looking at sports track right now. I'm just trying to entertain you guys, and also hopefully give you a little. For instance, on this deal, so you can kind of understand what this, how how debilitating this second apron is. But if the Golden State Warriors wanted to get Boyan Bogdanovich, and let's say the salaries were like three million apart, like usual situations that happen in the NBA, right? You know, usually you can throw in another pick, and it kind of you know equals it out, and blah blah blah, whatever. But they're saying that you cannot take on more money now when you're at the second apron. So if you're a team like Golden State, if you're a team like the Lakers, if you're a team like Phoenix who is trying to get better, you can't basically take on more salary. They're trying to, in a sense, encourage you to have less salary. You know? Um, also, you can't do any more cash considerations once you're over the second the second apron. So buying like like you know you would you know there'll be a trade, it'd be like some phantom second round pick, and then they say and also cash considerations for a guy. So I'm sure we had a couple of these, you know, last season. There's a couple like phantom second round picks out there. They got a vet and then the team that got the vet Trade also sent cash considerations as well. Those days are over as well. <laughs> you can't do that. Now, those are all things that can be done this year. This is this year coming up. This is the new landscape of the NBA as, as we know it right now. The only thing they held back one year. So keep that in mind. It's one year. So you get a reprieve this upcoming offseason for one one restriction only. And that is 
if you are over the second apron, everybody's heard this by now, but your first round draft pick seven years out gets frozen. Now, you have the capability of unfreezing it. It's not as easy as people think it is. It's not. The other thing is that if you continue, let's say you're defiant. Let's say you're the, we'll use the Clippers, right? Balmer thumbs his nose at the salary cap. I don't care, whatever. I got a good team. I got smart people around me. I don't care about all these other things. Now, he might care about first-round draft picks because here's the thing. If you stay on this apron, no matter where your draft pick falls, it goes all the way back to 30. So, if for some reason you had a injury, which is kind of commonplace for the Clippers, correct? with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, right? If you had an injury that really derailed your season and, you know, we're coming up on this pick or whatever case may be, now you're in a situation where that pick, let's say it's the sixth pick overall, eighth pick overall, whatever. You'd probably get a Good quality role player to help out the Clippers there, right? No, it's going back to 30. Hell, by the time this all happens in, let's say, you know, seven years, it could be 32. We could have two expansion teams. I see you, Seattle. I see how hungry you are. 14. And I hope you get it soon. I really do. I really hope that you get it soon. So that is the apron, and that is some of the, the I wanted to throw some analogies out there to you, some real-time analogies to kind of get your, your head thinking about what your squad is looking like. So look at your salary cap. Look and see where you are. Because here's the other thing. Nico has this belief that there's going to be all these trades and people are going to move here and there and everywhere and do this and do that and do this. And I have a thought process that I think that's going to be maybe the opposite. I think we are going to have trades this year, but it's not the teams that we think about it and going for it. I think it's the teams that are going for it, but might have to retool on the fly because this second apron is so debilitating. They may as well call, call it a hard cap. They really should because no owner is going to want to be in this thing. And actually, the other point that I want to bring up, OKC, we don't talk about you on this podcast, but I feel sorry for you. And what I mean by that, and I'm not trying to bum you out, but what I'm trying to say is that your team has built it right. You got all the picks. You kept on, you know, you kept on getting the picks, acquiring the picks. You made good trades. You, you know, you got Paul George out of there. The whole thing went down. It was great. Now, with the landscape being what it is, and that you have Shea Gilders Alexander under contract, um, Giddy looks like he's going to get a hefty contract, right? Uh, people believe that Chet is going to get his contract down the road. And, oh, by the way, Jalen Williams 
the one out of Santa Clara played awesome. So the top the the clock is ticking on OKC and the way this new deal has worked out in the CBA, man, if they I I just I'm I feel bummed for them and I feel bummed for the fans of the OKC Thunder because you know they they made shrewd trades. They got themselves in this position. Now there's probably a way where they could still work it out, but they're not gonna have the same basic rotation. You're not gonna have four or five guys that you drafted in the last three years on this team um, in about three or four years, just because the salaries won't allow. Now, do they have a bunch of first round picks that might continue to make up for that and just continue to feed into the into the funnel and into the talent drain that's going out? Maybe, maybe that's how uh, Cresty wants to do it. You know, guy's a smart guy. He'll figure it out. But what they did with this collecting bargain agreement off the jump is a team like who is really team building like OKC. They they screwed them royally. And I, I and and like again, I just my sympathies to OKC who really has, you know, struggled the last couple of years. And we saw a sign of life this year, which was awesome to see. And we saw uh SGA really flourish when he was able to play, you know, basically pretty much a whole season. Um now with this, you know, they're gonna have decisions to make very soon. Do you keep SGA? Do you want do you want the timeline to be real similar? Or do you want the you know the levels? Do you want one guy here who's 25, 26, one guy here who's you know 23, one guy here who's 20? You know, they they have decisions to make. I don't think the CVA did them any favors whatsoever. Um, and I think who I don't know who I was talking to about this, but they believe that they're trying to get it to a point where it's like everybody can have two stars, you just can't have three stars. They don't want you to have the third star. It's that third guy they don't want you to have. So I think that's why they're putting the re, the uh, financial restrictions on the way they are. And I guess I'll leave you with a bombshell last. This is something I've been thinking about for a while. And um, I I didn't think I was going to be able to do it. But with Nico not being here and being under the weather, I needed to hit you with this. So here it goes. So I'm going to take a swig. Swig. Swig of Diet Coke for the working man. All right. <clears throat> so everybody drink. We're going to talk about the Los Angeles Lakers right now. Now, I'm going to say this for Lakers fans, and they're probably going to completely disagree with me. They're probably going to think that I'm out, absolutely out of my mind, but I'm going to say something. I think, yeah, you can still probably win a championship with LeBron and AD and the and the right group of role players. But 
I would like to see the Lakers, in a sense, give in to the acquiescence of LeBron. And if he wants a trade because he doesn't think he can win with the Lakers or whatever it is, whatever it is, the retirement deal, all this other, I respect, I respect LeBron tremendously. Um, I'm 50 years old. I saw Jordan. Um, I was, I saw Kareem early. I mean, not early, early, but I saw him like at the height of his powers, like um, in like 79, 80, you know. Um, LeBron is, is the best. He's the best. I said it. People will be mad. That's cool. But it still doesn't change the fact whether I want him to be traded or not. And I'll tell you why. When you go into the LeBron James business, you are going to empty your cupboards of everything. Now, when he leaves, what you hope is that you won a couple titles. It was worth it. The Lakers have won a title. Lakers fans here know that we don't do singular titles. We do multiple to kind of consider you like one of the dudes, one of the real dudes in Laker lore. But I'm not I'm not one of these people that's like, no, we got to keep LeBron at all costs, keep him happy, whatever. I'm like, if this dude wants to go to Golden State, I'd rather see a competitive young team trying to figure out. And, yeah, they're probably going to have some early round exits in the playoffs. Because, obviously, here's the other thing. If you trade LeBron, you may as well go ahead and trade AD, too. Now, I'm not looking for a full-blown rebuild-type situation, baby Lakers, all this other stuff. I think you can get quality young younger vets who maybe haven't reached their full potential yet. Uh, there's a couple guys out there that I've been thinking about lately um, that I have my eye on, and I think I'm, I might just have to write a piece on it um, on our website. But there's a couple guys out there that I believe that are on that cusp of star and where they are they're probably not going to get the opportunity to be either that secondary guy or the primary guy. I think they're going to end up, he's going to end up like, like the third guy. And um, there's a couple guys like that in the league that I'm kind of looking at that I would think that kind of fit that bill. But I'm actually looking at like this, like, listen, if you're the Lakers, and you're looking at your team, and you're going, okay, we see what's going on in Denver. We see what's going on everywhere else. Is this a way where we can kind of set our books the right way? Look at this new CBA with like a, a, a clean balance sheet, which they would be able to do next year. Um, you know, it's not like they're in this like crazy situation and there's no way for them to get out. By them getting 
the Russell Westbrook contract off their books um, earlier this season, it allowed them a ton of flexibility. And it also gave them some guys with some bird rights that now they have choices to make on, not necessarily demands of the particular talent or asset. So where I'm coming from with this whole deal is if LeBron is truly unhappy and he feels like he can't win here or he's not, and I don't think any of this is true, but I do believe that LeBron James is always looking to put pressure on the organization that he represents and goes out there and leaves it all out on the line because trust me when I tell you about that tendon tear, it was nothing nice. <clears throat> it's I don't know if he's going to have the surgery because if he does have the surgery, if they tell him like you got to have the surgery, he's going to be out early on in the year. Like we might not see LeBron until like January, you know, foot injuries are tricky. Um, and then also making the, the decision to get cut on once you cut open the foot, you know, there's a myriad of things that could go wrong. So, you know, um, we've seen a lot of careers in with a uh, bad feet. You know, we saw a lot of careers didn't really get off the ground because of bad feet. You know, Yao, you know, I mean, it's a different situation. But Yao's career was upended because of his feet. Uh, Bill Walton, you know, old school, uh, was, you know, victimized by his feet situation. So, if uh, here's what here's what I'll go with. LeBron, if if it's all true that he wants to go and he's trying to put pressure on the Lakers, like, listen, dog, you it's been real nice, but you want to go to Golden State? You want to go across the hall to the Clippers? Where do you want to go, man? Because at this point, you know, we're not going to make a crazy trade. We did the Russell Westbrook thing as a favor to you. Um, it did not work out. I understand, like, you want to go back to the well because you really want somebody that you can depend on. But at some point, we need to start also thinking about, I don't know, year 2025 when LeBron is 40 years old, right? <laughs> and he's probably not playing for the Lakers, right? Because he, he wants to play with his son, even though he has said that his dream is to play with his son. It's not necessarily his son's dream. So, you know, there's been some uh, movement on that front when it comes to that. Um, but if he wants to go chase a title, if he wants to go and try to get ring number five, yo, there, I mean, Wiggins and Kaminga for LeBron? I mean, I know a guy in the Bay Area that's hearing me say this, and he's losing his mind right now, thinking I'm absolutely out of mind, out of my mind. So I get it. I'm not saying any of this is going to happen. All I'm saying is, as a Laker fan, as I'm not a, Le I'm not a LeBron fan or a this person fan, I actually root for the laundry. Okay? So as a Laker fan... If my man want to leave, I'm kind of like at the point like, dog, I'd rather, I'd rather be competitive, start building the next iteration of this team, 
you know, give Darvin Ham, you know, some say in the type of players he wants back in a deal or whatever. So he feels that he's maximizing whatever talent that's there. And then, you know, we're still L.A. We're still looking for that next star. But hopefully what you've done is you built up these guys you got back in these trades and some of these draft picks that maybe you've gotten back for A.D. and LeBron. And, you know, there, there it is. There's your, you know, now you got your star. You know, maybe you got your picks. You know, maybe you go get another star. I mean, it's just you're still always still looking for the star. But I'm cool. And I appreciate what LeBron did this whole year. I mean, with the injuries and all of that, I'm still, like, marveling at what he did. Um, Not just the 38 thing. I'm just saying, like, this dude was averaging basically 40. I mean, I'm sorry. He was almost averaging 30, you know, the whole year. So, for me, I'm looking at this cat like, you know, this get him around 62 games a year, 64 games a year. I know I'm a big non-proponent of low management. But LeBron is old as hell. So, at this point, get him down to like 62, 64 games a year. Keep his minutes down to like 30, 33, like in that range. Don't get, don't, in a regular season, do not have LeBron playing 36 minutes unless it's an overtime game. You know, let's try to preserve this man as much as possible, right? And, you know, go that route, you know, if that's what you want to do. But if he really is trying to get out of here, if he really wants to um, make this move or, or put pressure on the Lakers to make a move that is, you know, more suited to his timeline, than anybody else's timeline and pretty much basically telling the Lakers, listen, I don't care about your picks because I'm not going to be here when they, you know, when they come to fruition. So why would I care about them? And I understand like we have that window with him, but do we have that window with him? Because I think we saw something in this series with Jokic. Jokic is probably the best player in basketball. I mean, yeah, you there's some challengers and stuff like that. But what he does on the offensive end, how that team revolves around him and how efficient it is and how easy it is for him to score in the multitude of ways he could score along with the rebounding, along with the passing. I bet you, I bet you that's a really enjoyable place to go work. Denver, Colorado, playing with Jokic is probably an absolute joy to go to work. If you're KCP, if you're uh, Jamal Murray, if you're Aaron uh, Aaron Gordon, if you're Michael Porter Jr., if you're Christian Brown, if you're any of these cats, man, he's making the game so easy for you. And I had a conversation with Nico and a couple other people uh, not that long ago. Here's the other crazy thing about Nikola Jokic. The way he plays, the chances of injury for him are, are slim. I mean, yes. Could somebody fall into the back of his knee? Yes. Could 
but he doesn't, he's not athletic enough to jump, get off the ground and somebody, you know, do anything to him while he's in the air. My man is, uh, he's under the rim skilled, right? But you can't stop him. He's 280 pounds. One of the bigger dudes in the league. He's a problem on the block. He's a problem on that nail. And he's a problem at the three-point line. And not just with the shooting. Passing, too. So, if I'm the Lakers, are we in a position to make a pivot? Or, more realistically, they're not going to pivot. LeBron will be here next year. AD will be here next year. Now, here's the thing. Once they're here, I'm going to support. I want to make sure we're doing all we can to win games. Reeves has to be somebody that they do a priority situation on. That's one guy that just absolutely needs to be in on this team next year. And Rui is probably another guy that needs to be on this team next year. But other than that, how do you get better? Who can you trade to facilitate anything? Is D'Lo going to help you? These are all questions that need to be answered. But yeah, if it was me and I was hearing LeBron talk about how he was uh, displeased with how the season went, get that. You're very upset with uh, not winning the championship. That's cool. I like to hear winners say that. But when you're telling me it's a situation of, you know, you want the team to change because, you know, it's not working out for you and we should just give everything away, everything away to win this one championship, that's short-sighted. And I don't think Palinka is in that business anymore. So that's it for the pod today. I wanted to hit you with that. I wanted to get you caught up on news. I wanted to get you all there. And again, I'm so excited that uh, we were able to knock this pot out before the game tonight. So everybody enjoy those games. Come this game coming up tonight. Um, I'm interested in how Boston reacts. Uh, somebody was saying how um, the the situation with Miami and how that how that goes. I think it goes fine for Miami, honestly, to tell you the truth. I don't I think we're gonna have a really good game. Game seven is coming out. Uh Bill Simmons is probably gonna have a heart attack. Uh, you know, so say some prayers for Bill. Say some prayers for uh Bill's daddy. And uh, you know, you know, we 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 hope we get the pa father back. I hope that there's no cardiac arrest situation with him whatsoever. Uh, for my guy, Nico, Godspeed, my man, I hope you feel better. You know what I'm saying? Um, man, that MS is just a, it's a, it's a, MF, MS is a MFR. Let's put it that way. All right. I usually don't cuss on the show, so we're going to keep that like that. Um, so again, oh, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know. Um, about some things we talked about here today, the thought process on the youth movement in the coaching situation in Phoenix. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, tell me what your thoughts are on the Wizards. With Winger going there, is Bill out? Do they build around him? What's up with Kyle Kuzma? What's up with Porzingis? 
Um, also, the news coming out of Philadelphia. We got Nurse, the coach in Philadelphia now. What does this mean for the construction of that team? We got a lot going on. And again, you know that we are going to talk draft. We're going to talk Wimpy. We're going to talk Scoop. We're going to talk Amen Thompson and the rest of the draft class that's coming up because there's a lot to get to. So I'm so privileged that I was able to be with you guys today. And, uh, you know, again, we don't like doing the solo uh, podcast, but we want to bring you some sort of uh, heat going into game seven tonight. So keep the positive vibes up. And uh, everybody out there, y'all just have a tremendous rest of your Monday. And uh, you know what? I think we are out. Thank you.